All right, y'all. Well, it has been a minute, like we said. We are uh, we're back in the saddle, and we got our good friend here, uh, Sam Say today. Hey, yo, it's been what? I don't know. We couldn't we couldn't remember if it's been a year or two since we had him on the show. But he always brings the heat, the whole heat, and nothing but the heat. I don't know if it's cloudy Um, and so um, he, you know, he wrote a real, a, a, a kind of a nice, mild, meek article, gentle, gentle uh, article. <laughs> just fluffy, you know, makes you all warm inside a couple weeks ago that we wanted to talk about today. Um, but yeah, we're going to pull him in in just one second here. So he uh, recently, recently got married and I think you have moved. Is, is it to Ohio? Yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I've moved to Ohio February, I believe, and uh, was to was to get married. Um, so um, it's been uh, three, almost three months now, and it's. I was as I was saying to you guys earlier, it's been incredible. Um, it's been uh, a huge blessing. So that's awesome, man. That's awesome. We we kind of have you know followed y'all's love story. I think when when we uh, first started chatting with you, I can't remember what phase y'all were in, if it was just dating or engaged, but you know, it's, it's, it's always a journey. It's a fun thing. So just excited, excited to hear that. I see she had a website too, um, which was really cool, like to inform, uh, parents, I guess on, on different, can you, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, my wife's name is Annie, I almost said Annie Pasma, her, her maiden name, but it's Annie Say, which is weird for me to get to. People always call us the Say's. I'm like, the Say's? Who's that? Oh, yeah, that's us. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so her, uh, she created a service called Library for Kiddos. Sorry, for, for Library for Littles. Um, I'm combining that because they have, she has different groups within it, and one of them is called Library for Kiddos. But really, the entire service is called Library for Littles. Um, she used to work as a kids librarian um, at a library. So um, she's since moved on from that and she's become a teacher. But she has a huge passion for libraries and for helping kids and especially parents. So she created this service to help parents um, discern what what you know what books they're reading to their children. Um, a lot of a lot of times these these um, authors or publishers they're very deceptive in what they're uh, what they're writing. Um, I seem innocent. But then, uh, given her experience, she's able to you know discern it well, and then just to instruct parents on what to avoid, which books not to read, and then which books to read. You know, there's some good books out there, of course, coming from even unbelievers too. And she spends almost all her time um, right now. Actually, she's you know she's out in the back in the patio uh, reading a book that she'll be reviewing for parents. So it's a really great service that many many parents and children have been benefiting from. Uh, that's amazing, man. We, yeah, we definitely come a long way from green eggs and ham uh, these days to what <laughs> they're uh, giving these kids. So that's that's a great resource. Well, um, yeah, mm-hmm. man, super excited. I know you have been working like in the just the the pro-life space now for a while. I don't know how many years, but you have been laboring. And I think to to all of our surprise this summer, you know, we we saw what was leaked out of the Supreme Court. We're like, man, if there was any hope of things changing, this is probably going to put a squash on it because I didn't have a whole lot of confidence in our justices base. I, I did in a few of them, like Clarence Thomas, like, yeah. you know, 
he, I know he rides hard. So, but there was a few <laughs> of them. I, I was like, man, they 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 ain't gonna yeah. they ain't gonna come through now. But to I think yeah. many of our surprise, it it happened and it dropped seemingly out of nowhere. I I, I was at uh, Liberty University that morning doing a doing a um I don't even remember it was some kind of fair where people were coming and somebody next to me told me I was like wait hold on let me check that out and make sure that's true and it was true and we were all kind of just having this I don't know euphoric uh kind of yeah. surreal moment how did that how did that hit you and, and what what was going on for you when that dropped yeah so it was actually interesting um the, the morning of I was actually my wife and I were getting ready to go to a, um, a, a pro-life group um, here uh, in near near Columbus, um, they uh, they had invited me to come speak to their interns that day, uh, not knowing, of course, that it would be happening that you know Roe v. Wade um, would be overturned that day. I was going there, preparing to go there to uh, encourage the uh, the interns, the summer interns on just a pro-life issue, pro-abortion issue, to warn them about the social issues that will threaten their passion for saving babies. Um, so, and then also we, before that, we were planning to go to, um, planning to go to Planned Parenthood to protest as well uh, with these interns. So as I'm getting ready, I'm in a washroom, you know, I'm trying to get my beard all nice, you know, um, you know, I'm, and then my, my wife just opens the door with this huge smile on her face. And she's like, she just shows me the news. And I celebrated and yelled so much around the house. I was jumping around and she was also happy. But then she's like, Sam, like you're much more excited for this than you were for our wedding. Oh <laughs> 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 it's I was just yeah. and I'm I don't you know, I'm a I'm a pretty, you know, even keel. I don't not much gets me really excited. Of course, I was very excited about my wedding. I was very, very happy. But um, I was more kind of taking it all in when I was getting married. But with this, very much like you said, I did not think it would happen. Um, I, to me, it really is, I, you know, that day I kept thinking about the Bible verse um, from Paul, where he says that God is able to do far more abundantly than anything that we can ask or think. I, we, we knew that it would be overturned at some point, but I didn't think, honestly, it would be at the time before the next 20 years. And especially with all the uh, threats and the just the, ins the insanity that was happening around this issue, I thought that all the uh, or most of the justices besides Clarence Thomas, because, uh, you know, as you said, he's not faced by anything. I thought that they would they would back down, but they didn't, and I praise God for that. It's to this day, it's like wow, you know. Um, mm. Anyway, so yeah, that was that was my reaction that day, and then of course I went there to I went to the um, Credit Equal, the pro life group in Columbus that I was I was you know, scheduled to be at, and we were just celebrating together. And there were these guys. The president, his name is uh, Mark Harrington. He had been fighting Roe v. Wade for decades. And just the jubilation, the tears of joy, uh, it was incredible. Uh, that's, that's amazing, man. I can't imagine for you and our, our friend Ryan Bomberger, who's been working in this space for a while, just what that what that must have felt like. Because for us. Yeah, it took our breath away. I was like, what? That's got to be a misprint. This, this can't be true. <laughs> just like, yeah. wow. I didn't think in our lifetime we would see. But, you know, it was such a fierce reminder for me that God is on the throne. Mm -hmm. God is is still all powerful. He can do all things mm -hmm. like the scripture you mentioned. 
above mm. and beyond what we can ask or imagine. Imagine. Okay, so with your article, um, you start out kind of saying, um, you know, we shouldn't be surprised if we notice that a lot of Christians are not rejoicing, particularly woke Christians are not rejoicing mm-hmm. over this. Would you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, say we shouldn't be surprised because um, there were there were already arguments, um, indirect arguments for um, abortion by a lot of these so-called woke Christians without being explicit about it for some time. Um, and I had been warning about this actually in my articles or social media posts for some time. Uh, I think in the article I, I mentioned it that, um, you know, one of the biggest, one of the biggest indictments against the, um, you know, woke movement or critical race theory movements or um, so-called, you know, justice movement within the church is that it is, it had been leading um, many, many of these, these people into apathy or support uh, for abortion. So once the once Roe v. Wade was uh, overturned, it did not surprise me whatsoever that people who had been um, embracing um, these critical race theory concepts, who had been oftentimes talking about the intersectional um, oppression happening, that they would point to, well, this is going to primarily affect poor women, it would affect black women, uh, because they didn't. They had shown they did not value justice or human rights, but that they were valuing. Um, they were valuing the intersectional racial arguments for um, that since certain so-called people are marginalized in society, they therefore need certain privileges, um, even if it leads to discrimination against babies. It is okay uh, for them to have these uh, oppressive. Um, you know, oppressive laws in place of court, you know, dealing with abortion. Um, so it didn't surprise me whatsoever because of course, critical race theory as it become very popular amongst woke people is inherently unjust. It supports discrimination. It supports, um, you know, feminism. So with, with that in mind, um, I was, I was actually surprised that so many people were surprised by uh, their reaction from these woke Christians. Yeah. That's an interesting, um, I guess connection there that people don't often get it between like what is the connection between being pro-choice, uh, supporting critical race theory, supporting feminism, and it really all it's all like part of this giant conglomeration that really does like conceptually they fit together. It's a coherent framework, but I think that's what and you were right to be surprised that people were surprised. But I think it just shows us that people still don't understand this worldview that really yeah. is one of the main competitors to Christian theism right now. So can you maybe mm-hmm. talk a little bit more about maybe uh, maybe spell that out for people that don't know why is that connected to feminism? Mm-hmm. What is the what is the oppression matrix that's going on there that's causing that support? Yeah, there's um, a lot to say there, and I think it is always helpful to start with um, just the conflict theory aspect, uh, the Marxist uh, concept of the oppressor versus the oppressed. Um, you know, that is what, you know, Marxist or critical race theorists or, or generally woke people, um, they, they believe in this framework that there is the oppressor and then there is the oppressed. Um, throughout, you know, throughout history, Marxism develops into 
critical race theory, uh, which is basically, um, as James Lindsay calls it, just race Marxism, um, which is that, you know, because basically Marxism claimed that the essential conflict in society was between um, the poor person um, and the rich person. Critical race theory says the essential conflict is between white people versus non-white people, or specifically white people versus black people. Critical race theory um, develops this concept also called um, intersectionality, which basically says that there are different kinds of oppressors and oppressed people in the world. So they would say that um, Marxism, the original Marxism was right in that there is class-based discrimination going on. There also, so of course, there's also race-based discrimination going on in society. But then there's also uh, discrimination against women, discrimination against, you know, uh, gay people, trans people, things like that. Happening at the same time. That's all relevant because with all this in place, the goal then is to create something called equity. And equity is really the key phrase for all of these ideas. It's really the end goal. Um, and the reason why feminism plays a big role into all this is, of course, is because with, with intersectionality, you have to subscribe to the view that um, if black people are oppressed and then if women are oppressed, then black women uniquely are oppressed in society. That is a anti-racist or anti-patriarchy um, framework. All of that um, is is attached to the response to Roe v. Wade or um, Christians supporting, or I would say so-called Christians supporting Roe v. Wade in that if you believe in equity, as they all do, then the goal is never what is right, what is just. It is always the outcome. It is always equality of outcome. Therefore, if you deprive in their minds, if you deprive a woman from having an abortion, you are then therefore uh, depriving them from having the equality of outcome that they need to have in order to be, um, you know, to have, you know, in order to have to be so-called equal with, with, um, with, with men or specifically white men. Because again, in their minds, this is going to primarily affect black women. So, with all this in mind, with equity, so I, I think in the article I I um, I, I quoted a, a uh, I quoted uh, Ibram Kendi's uh, word. Uh, I always, you know, I always want to do that because many people are shocked when they read those words. Which basically, um, you know, where I'm, I'm not sure if I'm getting ahead of myself with, with mentioning this, but he basically says uh, in the article that sorry in his book that um, discrimination is only wrong if it leads to inequity, as in if it's not leading to equality of outcome, but it's good, racial discrimination in his mind is good if it leads to racial equity. So it's therefore okay to discriminate against a white person if it leads if it leads to equality of outcome for black people. Well, that ties with abortion in the sense then that with feminism, even if the baby is a baby, even if preborn babies are human, it is therefore okay to discriminate against the human, against the preborn baby, so that the women, especially black women, would have equality of outcome. So then that they can have the same outcomes as men who do not have 
to get pregnant or have babies. So equity, uh, which is really, again, the fundamental view of all this stuff, it's really socialism or communism. It's really the driving force behind why so many so-called woke Christians have embraced um, abortion or support abortion. Uh, that's helpful. And, and you cut out for a second when you said the name, it was Ibram X. Kendi, for those who are listening, if you missed that. And what he's saying is he, he wrote a, many books, but I think some of the more popular ones are stamped from the beginning and how to be an anti-racist. How to be an anti-racist was one of the most popular books, along with White Fragility from Robin DiAngelo um, around the time of the George Floyd, number one and number two on the bestseller list. So these books have been made major impacts, even on the Christian world. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, you can correct me on this, Sam, but I think even Jamar Tisby, a uh, Christian writer, was partnering with Ibram Kendi at, at, to some degree at some level. But his his yeah. book is really interesting. Like He really does argue what seems crazy and is crazy, but he tries to make sense of that idea that discrimination is good if it's bringing equal outcomes. And yeah, that makes sense. Now, the way that it's impacting the Christian world, you pointed out a few um, really interesting quotes in this article, and I want to read a few of them here. This is one from a guy named Dante Stewart, and th- th- this should this should hopefully wake people up who don't know Christianity today is not really Christianity today <laughs> anymore. Um, it hasn't been for yeah. a while. Um, but he's a you say he's a regular writer there, and this is what he wrote. He wrote, "What makes me most sick." is that Christians will celebrate and believe that God made it so. And here he's talking about the, the overturning of Roe v. Wade. He said, that it makes me most sick that Christians will celebrate and believe that God made this so. No, this is not God. It is years of Christians waging religious war. It is not about protection, love, or morality. All of this is about one thing only, power, period, white power, period. <laughs> And I can imagine, like, you know, if you're not accustomed to the woke language, like, you'd probably just laugh out loud at that and be like, I don't even know what planet is this guy on. But once you understand kind of what you laid out, it begins to make sense. Oh, he's just following the logical implications of this larger view that he's already bought into. And it causes him to make, I mean, this might be pressing it too hard, but he almost seems to be making a distinction here between God working and human beings working, which we know scripturally that God often, if not most of the time, works through human beings. So this kind of like dichotomy that he seems to be drawn is just theologically like Mm one-on-one error. But then on top Mm -hmm. of that, he puts a negative side on the Christians that are waging war against, I would say in a good way, against the forces of darkness, he puts it waging war on minorities for the sake of power, for selfish gain. And again, this guy's a regular writer at Christianity Today. Just put that in your mind. Um, You went on to quote... Yeah, go ahead, jump in. Can I say one thing about that? Just to give people an idea as to where this thing is coming from, I am just preparing to do a lecture, um, and I am talking about intersectionality. Um, I always struggle to say that word. Um, so <laughs> it's intersectionality. There you go. Um, and that quote is so important that you read from Dante Stewart. And it reminds me of, I don't know if you guys can see it. Well, this book that yeah. I'm reading, White, White mm-hmm. Christian Privilege. And I think I said it the last time I was on um, this podcast in that a lot of genuine Christians don't realize the real fundamental um, the the real enemy for woke people. It is exactly what Dante Stewart said. It is really Christians. It is not white people. It is Christians. 
uh, really whiteness, when they talk about whiteness and power, they're really talking about, um, you know, what they describe as Western ideology. Western ideology, which is very much influenced by Christianity. Uh, so, you know, we oftentimes hear white privilege. Okay, it might make sense to us, white privilege. Well, the next real major um, uh, opposition that we're going to receive is from woke people against uh, against Christians. So Dante Stewart, who would claim he's a Christian, it's interesting that he's even saying that, well, it's the other guys, it's the Christians who are doing this, uh, because he himself is identifying himself with the non-Christians, with the woke people, which is really a religion in and of itself. Um, but Marx said that, um, you know, religion is the opium of the people and that he despised Christianity. He was really an atheist uh, because he, he understood that his views could not be reconciled with Christianity. So when they talk about power and white and privilege and all these things, let's be careful. Let's let's be examining, discerning what they're really driving at. And as you said, they see a distinction between God working and the people of God working for him. Well, they hate power and they especially hate the power of God. They hate the authority mm. that God has on justice, including on the preborn baby. They want to they want to give all that power to the so-called oppressed people, which in their minds they believe is is um, is against God's views on justice. Wow. Yeah, that's powerful. Well said, man. And you, you picked a range of people here because you, you picked him from Christianity Today. You know, some would kind of put that in the big Eva element um, of, mm-hmm. of Christianity. This one you did from Michelle, Michelle Higgins isn't surprising. I think she's on the, the Truth Table podcast, which, if I'm not mistaken, you know, that's it came to you on. That's like that's so far. It's hard to even like put that no, nowhere to put that in a Christian category. But she said, dear black Christians who support reproductive justice and believe that abortion is health care. It's time to be more vocal in the places where we have been shamed, even if those places are the ones we call home. Can you break that down a little bit? What is, what is you know, for people that are in the pro-life movement that don't really read this stuff, that like what re- reproductive justice, they probably heard that term, but how did they even, how did the left make that s- stick at all? <laughs> um. Well, the left loves euphemisms to hide what they're really trying to say. Um, If they say, you know, they've said pro-choice, you know, and this is the new term they use a lot, reproductive rights, um, which is really a way to claim that we're trying to have authority on someone's body, on someone's um, reproductive, you know, um, rights. Well, but it's been said by many people. Being pro, being pro life does not. We're not saying that people cannot reproduce. Uh, we're saying no, you should. <laughs> we, you know, to have reproductive rights means then that you have the right to reproduce, which people have, and I want that. But to kill your baby after they've been reproduced, after you, you've already exercised your right to reproduce, is not an exercise or a practice of. Of course, reproductive rights, uh, but they say this because they want to hide what, of course, what, what they're really saying with abortion. Abortion kills an innocent child. Abortion kills a preborn baby. It kills a baby. But they can't say it that way, or they won't say it that way, because then they know that for 
a uh, you can perhaps deceive a very immature Christian with those words who don't know who does not know anything about abortion. Um, so they will, they will phrase it that way. But if you say that, yeah, well, I want the right to kill a baby, that's hard. That's hard to really get away with. And that's why they tend to use these these kinds of phrases. Yeah, that's good. And that's something you really got to be on the watch for is discerning Christians, like you said, and, and as you mature, like know the language, know the tricks. It's it's you know, it's an old playbook, but they continue to use it. If you want to grow in your confidence in knowing what you believe and why you believe it, if you want to ground your faith in biblical Christianity and step into who God has called you to be, I want to tell you about a great program put on by Impact 360, and it's called Propel. Propel is a one-week transformational leadership and discipleship experience where high school students gather together to be grounded in a biblical worldview as they learn how to follow Jesus, have a godly influence, learn how to disciple their peers, and boldly live out their faith in their daily lives. So they're having two sessions this summer. The first one is June 19th through the 25th, and the second one is June 26th through July 2nd. These programs fill up really quickly, and I promise you, you will not be disappointed. So we'll put the link below if you're interested in looking into it, and we'll see you this summer. So in this third um, quote that you gave, it's from a pastor and I guess a regular contributor to the Gospel Coalition, a writer for the Gospel Coalition named Micah Edmondson. And he wrote, May the Lord give grace to victims of rape whose pregnancies are daily reminders of the worst violation. May the Lord give grace to women whose lives are at risk in their pregnancies and to medical providers wondering if they can intervene to save their lives. Lord, have mercy. May the Lord give grace and strength to struggling families and especially to those who cannot see a way forward. Lord, have mercy on every bruised reed of a person. Lord, have mercy. And I think this is like something that we've come to expect really from the Gospel Coalition. And it's, um, I kind of always say it's the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. But um, what, what do you make of that? Who's, they're not really taking a pro-choice stance, but it's, the, it's kind of a tricky um, approach to how you would approach this thing of Roe v. Wade being overturned, and this is your response. What do you make of that? What category do you put that in? You know, it's interesting. Um, I don't want to speculate too much, but following uh, some of his other tweets and some of the things that he's liked, um, some of the uh, social media posts, at least on Twitter, that Mika Edmondson liked, um, and knowing that his wife is a member, at, um, is one of the three hosts of the Truth's Table, um, I think it's more than just mere speculation to say that um, he might say he's pro-life, but I wouldn't say that he is, um, according to what he said on social media and some of the things that he's liked, that he is really pro-life in a biblical manner. Um, um, but, But what I will say in response to this is there are a few things that's wrong with this. Uh, one, he is not rejoicing <laughs> over oh, this. Um, you know, the Bible, uh, and I mentioned this, you know, the Bible says that when justice is done, it is joy to the righteous and it is terror to the evildoer. 
Um, so I'll, I'll let you make out what, the, <laughs> what I think that means in light of a pastor who is not rejoicing at a Supreme Court ruling that is going to save 100,000, well, more than 100,000 babies. Um, you know, already, I mean, I'm in Ohio now. As soon as uh, Roe v. Wade was returned, as it happened in many other states, uh, it triggered a heartbeat bill in Ohio, which effectively bans almost all abortions um, in, 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 uh, in Ohio, which of course is not enough. We want to ban all abortion in Ohio, but it, this is saving so many babies in America. And for a pastor who's supposed to love justice would react with mourning, um, you know, and would have, frankly, the, the audacity um, to say, Lord have mercy. God has had mercy, which is why Ruby Wade has been returned. I will, you know, I will touch some of the things that he said. He mentioned that, um, may the Lord give grace to victims of rape whose whose um, pregnancies are daily reminders of the worst violation. I'm actually planning on writing an article about this, um, you know, and rape is a horrific, horrific violation. Um, I can't imagine um, what that's like for many people to not only be, um, you know, to suffer that kind of assault, but then to be pregnant from that, which should make it all the more difficult. But it's not the worst violation. Um, I, I don't say that to make rape a light issue. It's not, I know people who've been assaulted. I know it's incredibly difficult. I know there's a horrific violation. But it is not the worst violation in this context. Assaulting people needs the worst violation. And for a pastor to use that, you know, that uh, wording here would suggest then that it is okay for a victim of sexual assault to then be manipulated and be motivated to assault their own baby to death. Uh, sexual assault, uh, sorry, abortion from a sexual assault does not remove the original assault. It only creates two assaults that it kills or assaults a baby to death. So that there is wrong. And then when it when he also talks about may the Lord give grace to women whose lives are at risk in their pregnancies and to medical providers if they can if they uh, wondering if they can uh, intervene to save their lives. That is. That is an incredibly ignorant thing to be saying. Abortion is never, which he seems to be implying here, abortion is never, ever, ever justifiable to save mother's life. This is this is this is a fact. Can um, you say you that know, statement one more time, Sam? Because you cut out abortion never what? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, abortion is never, ever justifiable or necessary to save a mother's life. So people oftentimes will bring up two scenarios. They'll bring up ectopic pregnancies, um, or which leads to you know surgery. Well, the surgery to save the mother there is not an abortion. Abortion is the intentional killing of a preborn baby. Ectopic pregnancies, which happen early in pregnancy, is basically when a baby um, you know ends up um, you know heading towards the Philippian tube, and they will not survive. And now they're threatening a mother's life. So then there's a surgery to save the mother. But unfortunately, since the baby is so young, they're not able to survive. And then uh, they're not viable and they die. That's not an abortion. He's lost tweets. 
uh, and shared tweets this past year, Mika Edmison, suggesting that ectopic pregnancy surgeries are abortions when they are not. Um, and also, um, there's preeclampsia and other other pregnancy complications that happen late into pregnancy, which can threaten a mother's life. But when that happens, abortion is not necessary. Abortion will actually only harm the mother and, of course, definitely kill the baby. Because in a late-term um, uh, abortion, uh, you need about two, three, two, three days to, uh, in order for the doctor to um, uh, have the abortion, which again will kill the baby and potentially harm the mom because the mom is waiting two, three days anyways. And of course, with that with baby being um, at that age, it's actually m more threatening to the mother's life. But you can have an, a, a C-section, which can you can do right away, which will save the baby and save the mom. So you never, ever, ever need to have an abortion to save um, the mother's life. That is just medically, it's not true at all. Um, so this, but here's a pastor pushing these pro-abortion talking points as a way to share his supposed grief that this will harm people. Well, Roe v. Wade is meant to protect people, meant to protect babies from being killed. And you know his reaction was very, very concerning. So it's framed as if it is mm. from a pro-life person who really is caring about uh, his neighbors. But frankly, I think he's not caring about his neighbors because he's pushing lies and he's pushing ideas that will only lead to uh, babies uh, being killed. Wow, that's an interesting analysis, man. I appreciate that that insight because I didn't know I, I didn't know much about this person where they're coming from. But it, I, when you said their wife is a regular contributor to Truth's Table, I was like, oh wow. So you know, because you do get the impression when you read this that oh man, here's someone who's just trying to care for the vulnerable in the midst of this thing. But once you find out that information you actually looks like more what's presented in that movie enemies within the church where you have sort of infiltrators that have a different view and they're trying to soften things or push it, um, in a subtle way, pushing it to the left. Um, and, and in this case, even not so subtle. Um, but you see this, this, this hidden kind of agenda where there's assumptions behind what he's even praying in this, what seems like a lament prayer in the wake of Roe v. Wade being overturned. Uh, we're couched into that is this idea that um, abortions save lives and all this kind of stuff. And so that's that's an excellent analysis. So yeah, you you ended this article, I mean, with, with some pretty strong words. Um, you said, nevertheless, woke Christians who support abortion have become friends with the world and enemies with Christ. They've become enemies with vulnerable preborn babies, enemies with the pro-life movement, enemies with real Christians, and especially enemies with Christ. Therefore, and this is the part, what woke Christians who support abortion need most isn't pro-life arguments. What they need most is the gospel. That's a that's a pretty strong statement. Is that uh, <laughs> you still feeling you still still feeling pretty good about that one? <laughs> yeah, um, I knew that people, um, many people perhaps would not be so troubled by what I said in terms of the reasoning, at least the first reason being that um, the reason why a lot of these woke so-called woke Christians are supporting abortion is because, of course, of critical race theory and the uh, intersection of equity and everything. But I knew that what I would say at the end would be seemingly harsh for many people. Um, I don't take any pleasure in you know saying that, but the reality is 
if you support abortion, it's okay to kill innocent preborn babies. You are directly against God. Um, as I said, the Bible says that when justice is done, it is it is a, it is is a joy to the righteous and a terror to the evildoer. Therefore, if you are um, deeply troubled and upset and angry, and you are opposing um, justice, you are an evildoer. Uh, you are not part of God's kingdom. Uh, you are not showing a repentance. I I um, I think the next article I that I wrote after that I mentioned that there are some Christians out there who've had abortions and um, they are repentant over that. But any mention of that, um, you know, troubles them. Not because they support abortion, but because they are grieved by their own abortion history. That's understandable. Um, Anytime I hear my old sins, anytime I hear about my old sins, I'm not happy about it. It troubles me because I know that without the grace of God, I would be, I would stand condemned. And I know what I've done. I know that I've sinned. Um, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about people who've had abortions. In fact, I can, I can say this. Uh, I know there are Christians, genuine Christians, who, because of their hearts being hardened and because of unbelief, who've had abortions and they've repented. Whether you had an abortion when you were a Christian or whether you had an abortion before you were a Christian, if you repent and you believe, you are my brother and you are my sister by the grace of God. Um, you know, I mentioned in a, again, in a, in a later article that uh, the most important person about someone who's had an abortion, if they've repented, it is not what they did to their child. It is what God did to his child for them. Right, is that we all are forgiven sinners. However, whether you've had an abortion or not, and you actively support the murder of preborn babies, you are directly um, saying that God is not the author of life. You're saying that a person or a mother is the author of life. And you are then against God. And God's Christ says that you are either with me or you're against me. Um, and so, you know, I, I think I mentioned the article, um, you know, to, to be pro-life is not, so to be pro-abortion is not merely deviating from justice, it's deviating from Jesus, because um, Jesus is very clear on these issues. So I, I, I wrote those words because I want people to realize what this is really about. This is not whether you are pro-life or pro-abortion. That matters, but it's really about whether you are pro-Jesus or you are antichrist. It's, it's mm. really that simple. Mm. And for many people, they're um, they're not thinking about this, that what you believe about justice really, affirm, really affirms what you believe about Jesus. And if you believe that Jesus is the author of life, that he is the one that gives and takes away, he's the only one that says it's now time for you um, to die and to receive judgment. If you believe that, you don't support murder. You don't. Um, but... If you support murder, then um, you're not aligned with Christ and you're one of Christ's enemies. Um, so um, that is why I shared those words. And I really wanted to bring people to uh, people like me to remember that we're not just dealing with uh, politics here. We're dealing with souls. We're dealing with people who are lost and we need to be preaching the gospel to them so they can believe like we believe. Yeah, that's 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 powerful, man. And the kind of the last thing I wanted to talk about here today um, I because I don't know that I would put this next group of folks in the same category 
as the people who are pro-abortion and woke, but they're kind of the Christians that were, they weren't, and many of them are leaders, you know, well-known, they weren't super comfortable just celebrating the overturn of Roe v. Wade. And, and there's kind of a range here as well, but the essence of their approach to it was, you know, hey, yeah, we celebrate pro-life, but we celebrate pro-life from womb to tomb. Um, we're not like these kind of crazy uh, white supremacist, right-wing Christians that are out in the street right now celebrating. We, we understand it's a whole life ethic. And then some of them went as far as to say, hey, if you're not supporting these gun control measures, um, then you're not really supporting, you're not pro-life in a yeah. consistent way. What do you yeah. say to those kinds of approaches? Yeah. Um, I'm so glad you asked that because that really troubled me. And frankly, it affirms just how many people's minds have been calloused because of sympathies for critical race theory and woke mm. ideology. Uh, the worst thing, as I said before, the worst violation anyone could do in this world, the worst violation is to murder a preborn baby. And if you would not rejoice that thousands, I'm sorry, I'm not going to try and get emotional here, but it, that thousands and thousands of preborn babies are going to be saved and rescued from being brutally murdered. I've. <laughs> I've, I've, uh, for my work, I've had to watch a lot of videos of what really happens to babies when they get ripped apart, when their skulls are crushed and they are suffering. This happens to a million babies. And now, because of Roe v. Wade being overturned, hundreds and thousands of preborn babies will no longer have to. There were people who were appointed to die by Planned Parenthood, who because of Roe v. Wade, they, they, they survived. And you as a Christian, your mind is now so callous because of woke ideology that you would not go on your knees and raise your hand to celebrate God's mercy. That you would say, hey, 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 well, you know, don't rejoice too much, guys. We need to give people more money so they won't kill their babies. Really? Is that how cows we become now? That you can't, you cannot rejoice in justice? That you now have to compare the murder of, of preborn babies to people receiving more checks in the mail? Mm. Frankly, especially when that in of itself is also an injustice, right? The reality is this, that all of this pro-life from womb to tomb is really just saying, well, we're not okay with babies being killed. But we think it's just as bad that you have people who do not have paid maternity leave, that you have people who do not have $20, uh, um, uh, $20 minimum wage you know, um, per, per hour, that you have people who do not have free health care. Really, you'd compare all those things to babies being murdered, especially when those things in of themselves are actually unjust. We don't talk about this stuff, but it's really unjust. I'm from Canada. And the free healthcare, first of all, it's not free at all. Um, it is they're taking it away from wealthier people to give to so-called all people, right? That if you are making a certain a certain amount of uh, money, they would take more from you so they can give to others, which of course is an unjust. So 
um, it really troubles me that we, many Christians, have become so apathetic, really, to abortion, that yes, they may not love abortion, but they've become so apathetic to it that they would think to rejoice in that is almost wrong since they support, frankly, socialism. In, 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 it, it really troubles me. So I know these, many of these guys are not like the people that we've mentioned. Um, I know that they, they are against abortion. But what is it about woke ideology would tempt you into not rejoicing as you should over preborn babies um, now being uh, rescued because of Roe v. Wade. So, uh, but again, as I said before, I've been warning about this for some time, that woke ideology is making us more apathetic. If you are a Christian, um, of course you won't support abortion. But if you are a Christian, you can be, um, you can be made to become apathetic about just and that's what we're seeing here with a lot, of, a lot of people saying that they want to be more pro-life from womb to tomb, especially when the pro-life movement is the best thing that's ever happened to mothers in terms of when it comes to the issue of justice. I have volunteered at um, you know many practice pregnancy centers where uh, they will save a baby. They save thousands and thousands of babies and they help the moms. They give them counseling. They give them financial assistance. They give them... Uh, protection from from people who want to harm them, their husbands or their their boyfriends. Um, they are helping these ladies, and yet you would you would say that well, they're not really the uh, the socialist movement, which says it's okay to kill your baby, uh, but it's also as imp- just as important that we give you uh, socialist you know promises and socialist so called benefits. And that we, you would say that those two things are identical in that way. It really troubles me. So um, I'm sorry, I'm probably saying too no, much, but I'm, I'm, it's really frustrating to me that Christians would be vulnerable to these ideas. No, I think how you said that was actually perfect, man. It was spot on. And, and even that description of being vulnerable to these ideas, because I think with many well-meaning folks um, that are, that kind of, that was their knee jerk reaction that day. Um, they just, man, it's a, it's just a, it's that pressure from the woke culture around, around us that makes them feel like, oh man, I better virtue signal. And for yeah. many of them, they feel like in that moment that that sounds good. But what you yeah. said is exactly right. That that's what that pressure does to us. It makes us make a false moral equivalency between yeah. something that really is a great, great injustice and wicked before God yeah. versus something that not only is it not positive, and it's not morally equivalent. It's actually another form of injustice, like you said. It's a socialist yeah. policy that runs yeah. against God's views of impartiality and stealing exactly. from other people to give to other people. And then at exactly. best, you have some cases that are just bad policy that end up causing more harm than good. Did you have something to add to that, Sam? Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned virtue signaling because that's really what it is, which really suggests that for many people, they know they know it is good to rejoice that preborn babies are going to be saved, um, are and are and have been saved from uh, abortion because of Roe v. Wade. But the reason why they weren't rejoicing is because they were become they were being they were thinking of what people might think of them if they were to celebrate. They were thinking about uh, feminists. 
you're thinking about woke people, they were really fearing man more than fearing God. And that in of itself, again, goes to show the danger, uh, the destructive nature of woke ideology, which says that you should be a respecting of, uh, you should be a respecter of man, that you should right. fear God, that you should worry about what other people think of you instead of what God thinks of you. Mm. So powerful. So good. Well, thanks so much, Sam, for coming on here, man, and uh, setting the record straight, keeping us in line. <laughs> um, how, what's going on with you guys, with your ministry? How can people connect with you? How can they support you? All that kind of good stuff. Thank you. Yeah, um, people can um, support me if they, if they would choose to. Uh, Patreon, they can um, support me there. They can pray for me. Um, I need all the prayers I can get. Um, it's, uh, yeah, and it's, you know, now that I'm, I've moved to uh, America, I've, I've left my, my pro-life work in uh, Canada, which was really, really hard. Um, mm. You know, and I'm going to be involved in the pro-life movement here. Uh, but for now, I'm just, you know, um, you know, my, my blogging, social media work is my full-time job. So they could pray for me that that would be, you know, cause now I'm a, I'm a husband and I got to take care of my, of my wife. So they, they would uh, pray for me that I would be able to uh, lead her well. And that uh, if they would choose to, they can support me as well. Awesome. Well, That's we would okay. encourage our listeners to do that for sure. Slow to write.com. Um, you can look him up on social media too, man. He's always just bringing great material. Just, I mean, you have a way of putting these big ideas into these short little phrases that really capture um, just truth in a, in a poignant way. So thank you, Sam. And uh, man, we'll, we'll hit you up in the future again, I'm sure. And blessings on you guys and your endeavors. Thank you so much. Yeah.